hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hon. Welcome to this episode of From Huns to Humans, brought to you by ThriveMind. Whether you're at a crossroads with your career, wanting to scale your side hustle, or want to start a new business, there are places down the road to change where you might feel stuck and need the experienced help of someone who has been there. Enter ThriveMind. ThriveMind is both a boutique marketing company for your small business, and most importantly, a coach and advocate to help you get your small business off the ground effectively and sustainably. Allie Heatherly, former Avon Hun and anti-MLM advocate, is the principal of ThriveMind and has 10 years of experience in business operations and can give you the tools to reach your goals. Visit thrivemindllc.com today to schedule your free no-commitment call to help jumpstart your side hustle business or career change today. That's thrivemindllc.com to make the big change today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Hunts to Humans. I'm Danielle. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor in the state of Massachusetts, and I was in three MLMs over a Span of about 10 years. Um, I am here today with Jen Knight, and she's going to tell us her story. And um, she recently started making anti MLM content over like about the last month, right? Is when I started seeing you pop up. Yeah, about, about the last month. Um, so I'm super excited uh, to talk to her, learn her story, and for all of you to go follow her channels. So, how were you introduced to MLM in the first place? Oh my gosh. Um, I'd say as a kid, I was introduced to MLM with like Pampered Chef and, you know, those typical things. I remember babysitting for one of my mom's friends and because she was throwing a Pampered Chef party, not my mom, her friend, but that's when I was really first introduced. So it was, it was kind of a normal thing. And I've always lived in, in like small towns. So it's, very normal around here. Yeah, we definitely see MLMs overtake small towns. I always think of that Schitt's Creek episode where um, Moira (laughs) gets into that MLM and then she goes to her group and like everyone's like, no, I'm already signed up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm already like a director. So I literally just watched that episode the other day. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, So what MLM, uh, well, first of all, it's so interesting because there are so many of us that have 
really been primed for MLM throughout our childhood because it was just so normalized. Like, I remember my mom went to like a 31 bags party and she like got me a couple of like good, like durable bags that I used for like grocery shopping and like moving things in and out of my college dorm um, that I still have like to this day. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that not all of the products are shitty and you know, sometimes that's the problem too. Right. Yeah. Because then you get into this thing of like, Oh, well, I really love this product, but like, then you find out like all the shady stuff about the industry and it gets hard, but there are a lot of good dupes out there or just things that are somehow comparable. Maybe they're different in some way. Maybe it's not the same designs or whatever. Um, but there are so many other good companies out there that are women owned or black owned or just small businesses in general, or, you know, daddy Bezos has his problems yeah. too, but he is not an MLM. So it's better than an MLM. <laughs> yeah. De- definitely still has his issues, but, uh, <laughs> um, okay. So what was your first MLM? Oh my gosh. Um, I'd say my first MLM, you know, I'm not really even sure. I'd say the the first one that I really got into selling was paparazzi. Okay. How long were you with paparazzi for? I think, I think it was like, it was a little less than a year. It okay. wasn't a, quite a year. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a year, if you can get out in a year, that's like really good. You, Cause usually that if they don't make you pay a monthly fee, for your enrollment. I'm not sure which one paparazzi did. Did they do a monthly or a yearly fee? Oh my gosh. I don't even remember with that one. I know with, with the other one, I was in Herbalife, it was yearly. Okay. So. Yeah. So like, um, so who, or not who, but tell us a story about how paparazzi entered your life. So I was still in college and honestly, it was one of those cold DMs somebody just popped up in my DMs and on Instagram and I fell for the you would be so perfect selling paparazzi jewelry um or you know selling being an ambassador whatever it is that they said and um I was like oh my gosh yes I want to join yeah that sounds so fun and I need some extra money and you know how how it is and yeah so I just kind of I fell for that and I was very naive about it at that point and I joined and I sold I did decently but the good thing I guess was that I was never pressured by the upline I like I was just there trying to sell stuff yeah um when did you start to realize that paparazzi wasn't for you? When I stopped making as many sales as I had normally, yeah. um, because it was such a small town and I have a big family and I was one of those paparazzi huns that sold at church of all places. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. 
when people started to get so much jewelry and I was either buying the wrong jewelry that nobody really wanted or they already had so much jewelry that they didn't want anymore. And I couldn't even get into the local um, vendor fairs because somebody was already selling paparazzi there and they got first, first pick. And yeah, I think, I think it was just the drop in sales. And I was like, maybe this isn't so good. Well, I mean, and the thing about paparazzi is that their products are very cheap. I mean, that's what their thing. It's $5 jewelry. So for you to actually make good money, you're making so many sales that it's really like, who needs that much jewelry? Like you were saying, like people get so much jewelry and it's like, okay, well, like it's costume jewelry. Like what, like how much costume jewelry do we all need? Yeah, exactly. And my friend at the time was also selling plunder. And so that was a new, new jewelry MLM on the scene. And she was doing the same thing I was just with more expensive jewelry. And so I, I just hated that competition. I I didn't like, I've never been the kind of person to, to be, I'm sorry about my dog, to be up in your business, you know, with the, the MLM and, you know, buy this. And so I just, I don't know. I just kind of, I had that gut feeling and I've always, I've learned to really trust that gut feeling. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to have to yell at my dog right now. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, the competition was a lot for you and it's, funny because like in MLM you're really recruiting your competition when you build a team but then for MLMs where there are like so many of similar product MLMs out there like the jewelry ones or um, the health and wellness ones you're really like competing against all of these people and the people you're recruiting exactly the same same types of businesses well I say businesses but you know what I mean but yeah exactly Um, okay so then what was your next MLM um so in between that my fiance's cousin actually um was selling Sensi and it was right before I had started my first year teaching so I wanted to she's she was she was trying to get people to join and it was like this um the special promo where you got a special wall warmer. I can't remember what they're called. Um, if you joined. And so I joined and I was like, I'll try it, you know, see what I can sell. But that that's, that was my next one. And I was also the hun that took the Sensi to my family reunion. Oh no. So they got you bringing your MLM stuff to church. They got you bringing it to your family reunions. Uh, Well, I didn't know anybody else. Uh, So it was, it was just kind of like sell to the people, you know, and that's literally, I have a big family. So I was like, well, everybody loves Sensi. (laughs) Right. And like you were saying before, like not all of the products are, um, quote unquote bad 
Scentsy has some cute warmers. I mean, like I know a lot of people that have left Scentsy MLMs and they keep the warmers because they're cute and they like them and they bring them joy and that's totally okay. Like if yeah, and what what kills me too is that they also are um oh what do you call it partnered with Disney, which makes it even worse. And LuLaRoe does that too, I think, right? Where they're partnered with Disney. Yeah. Or they were at one point. So, of course, that makes it even... People want it more. Were there any red flags when you were in Sunsea? I don't think there were really any red flags. Again, I was lucky that my upline, which was my fiance's cousin really wasn't pushy or anything. And it was just kind of me trying to sell the products, which again, didn't go well. (laughs) So I just kind of, it just kind of fizzled out. And, oh no, what was a big thing was they had charged me monthly for my, um, my website fee. And I wasn't even making enough to cover that, which I think was like 10 bucks or something. (laughs) Yeah, and it adds up though. Like if you're paying that every month, that's what one hundred and twenty dollars a year. Yep. So since he kind of just fizzled out, so what was your next MLM? My next MLM was Herbalife. <sighs> Herbalife. We have not talked about Herbalife on this show, and <laughs> I am so excited to hear your experience about that. So, how did you get started in Herbalife? So, we were living. 45 minutes away from the town that we are in now and a new nutrition club popped up and I got so excited. I didn't know anything about Herbalife, uh, really Herbalife period at that point, but I thought I got so excited because there's nothing really that healthy around here. And so they were, um, you know, showing these really fun looking shakes and how they were filling and healthy. And I got excited because they did taste good. The ones that were made here and I became a customer. I became a regular customer and yes, I paid $15 for freaking energy bombs, which I don't know why, but I was that into it even as a customer. And, um, Yeah. So I was a customer for probably a year and then we moved to this town and I was looking for a job. So I thought, well, I love the, the, um, the products. I love, I love the shakes. They never seem to have a lot of people in there. Like literally the owner was usually the only person in there working. And so I was like, I'll ask for the job, you know, I didn't find out until then that it was Herbalife. They never showed the containers. They never showed anything that said Herbalife on it. They were all hidden behind the counter. And so, and the funny thing is, is at that point, I was already into the anti-MLM scene. So I was watching, can I name drop some YouTubers? Okay. Of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was watching um, Deanna Mims mostly at that point and Kat Benson. And they had already kind of talked about Herbalife and I was 
I was in Deanna Mims group and community. And I was just, you know, they had encouraged me not to do it, of course, but I was like, I need the money. I, I need it. You know, it's, it's the only place that really was going to offer me a job. And so despite everything that was telling me not to do it, I did it. (laughs) And thankfully I still had my head about me for the most part that I was skeptical the whole time, but I literally asked for the job, (laughs) which sounds ridiculous now, but it was a job and that's how I got started with it. So you got started working at this nutrition club. Um, So what's that like then? Because that's very different than other MLMs because, you know, they don't have a storefront. So what... um, what did they have you buy off the bat? So, so that's the thing too, is that that's why I thought, well, maybe it's more legit because it's got a storefront. You know, that was part of my reasoning. Like, well, maybe I could actually make money because it has a storefront. I could, I had to buy the starter kit and I had to join one of the, their weekly zoom calls to get what I like to call indoctrinated into, into it because all of the zoom calls were about business results and weight loss results. And I wanted to lose weight too. And then at the end, they say, we'll go talk to whoever invited you to the zoom call and join or whatever. So that's when I joined, I bought the starter kit and the way that it works, so nutrition clubs work differently depending on who the upline is that runs them. So the one that I worked in was part of like a network here in my state. And so they had already, they'd been in the business for like 10 years at this point. And so they've already figured it all out, how to price everything, how to do everything but there's a choice for the owner. They can either, they can either hire you like a normal employee and pay you an hourly wage, or they can hire you, hire you in quotes, um, or you, they get downline. Well, my upline needed a downline. So I was not being paid an hourly wage. And the first month I didn't make anything because the way that this one worked was that you had to earn enough income to get to a certain point in the, in the compensation plan where you could get 50% off of your product so that when you bought the stuff to use in the club, it would be cheaper for you and you'd make more money. So basically I... I used my uplines inventory in the club and I was just basically paying her back for it and trying to earn the minimum. I think it was a thousand dollars for what you needed to, in order to run in the club. So it, it took at least a month and I didn't make a dime. So that was interesting, but yeah, 
that's how that works. <laughs> yeah. So it's still, it's still, I feel like it's still confusing. Um, yeah. So, feel free to ask me some questions. Cause I, yeah. it, it's, it's mind blowing. So they have you join as a downline. You have to hit a certain point in the compensation for you to be able to buy products to use at the club. So you don't technically have to, but they encourage you to get to that certain point so that you can get the 50% off. So it's ultimately cheaper. Otherwise you're going to be paying more than I I'm pretty sure it was a thousand dollars at the 50% off to get all of the, the necessary items because how it worked at that time was that each, each part of the downline that worked in the club, you would sell your own inventory. So I had to buy enough to sell myself. And then, then you would just replace that. Oh, okay. So you're buying stuff through your back office yes. to run the club and everybody has like essentially their own little cubby of exactly yeah that you're taking from to make everything yes um so obviously Herbalife is known for doctoring their shakes to add so many things to it so did you have to buy like all of the pudding packs and all of that stuff too or did you guys share that so that was shared however in order to work in the club you had to pay end of day fees so you had to pay and the way that it was sold to me was that it's like a hairstylist at their station, which I have no idea whether that's the truth or not, if that's the same, because I don't know how that works. But basically you had to pay a blender rental and you had to pay, I think it was $2.50 per hour that you worked on the shift. So if nobody came in, you still had to pay that for just being there. And then when people bought things, it was kind of put into the cost, uh, like the cups and the straws and the things that the customers would get, the stickers that go on the cups, um, that went into the cost. And at the end of the day, depending on what you sold, you'd have to do the math and figure out how much you sold and what you owed at the end of the day. And sometimes that was up to $50 a day for what you sold. So it sounds to me like not only did you not make any money, but you lost money. Right. So you would be screwed if you would work a Sunday when nobody would come in or barely anybody would come in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like, so what was, did you guys like sign up for shifts or something like that? Yeah. So my upline would tell us that by a certain point in the week, we had to give her our availability for the next week. And then she would figure out the shifts. And sometimes you would get screwed over and only get like one or two shifts, or you would be really lucky and get five morning shifts or, you know, because the morning shifts were pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I would imagine because that's when people are looking for quick, easy things for breakfast. Exactly. Everyone likes to eat their food the rest of the day, but breakfast (laughs) seems to be the one that everyone's like, it's fine. I can just drink my food. Yeah. Breakfast and lunch were the big ones. Yeah. Um, 
So what happened as you continued on, like after you started to quote unquote, like make money and you were able to like hit that point where, what happened then? So I was unlike the other girls that worked in the club because one, I was in my late twenties while all of them were still in college. And I was skeptical about the whole thing, you know, the whole time, but I needed the money. Yeah. Um, I forgot your question. Just like what, <laughs> like after you started to like, quote unquote, make money, like what happened? Oh, so I did make some money. Thankfully, I made a little bit of money to pay some of my bills. And that was where I was going to <laughs> was that. I no longer lived at home with my parents or was in a dorm room or whatever. I had other bills to pay where their money that they made, they could put it towards getting their nails done or eyelashes done and all this stuff so that they were more able to live the lifestyle. Me, on the other hand, I already had debt from COVID, you know, by overbuying on my credit cards Mm -hmm. that I was trying to pay off. Um, we just bought a house, so I was trying to contribute to that too. And so the way that our club ran was that your upline was sit, my upline would sit down with you and figure out you had to get five checking accounts from one of the local banks. And one was for profit, one was your main income, one was tax, tax profit. Uh, I can't remember what the other two were. Oh, operating expenses. So that went to your end of day fees. And then there was something else. I don't, I don't remember. So she would figure out what your bills were and then put a certain amount. You'd have to take the total of what you made, put a certain amount into each one. And so that never covered my end-of-day fees. I also had to replace inventory at the end of the day. So you'd have to go into the back office and order more of what you sold or whatever was needed. Because at the time that I switched, they had switched right as I was about to get that, my own inventory. So they switched the way it worked to where we just all used the stuff in the club and then we would just replace it. So not only was I spending on end of day fees, I was also, and that was like some, sometimes 40 to $50. I was also having to replace the inventory, which was, could be anywhere from 50 to a hundred dollars a day after a shift. So I was, I was bringing in so little money that I could already hardly put into these other bank accounts and pay my bills that it just wasn't working out. I wasn't making the money. I I literally can't even see how this is supposed to work and be feasible for somebody to make money. Yeah. So I think the only way that you would make decent money at it is if you were 
still living at home with your mom and dad didn't have any bills, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And you could spend it on what you wanted basically. Or if you own the club, but even still my upline own that owned the club, she paid for the, her multiple clubs with stock market trading. I don't even know how she even, if she even makes enough. And you would have to be lucky enough to be able to work pretty much every day, every shift, seven days a week. She didn't believe in a day off. Wow. Well, that's also common. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Hustle culture. Um, Yeah. Okay. So when did you start to like realize that this wasn't working? I think... I think with the money that I was bringing in, the lack of it, I should say, and the way that I was treated, I was treated really poorly. Um, Like I said before, I was in my late 20s. I wasn't a partier. I was no longer in college. I wasn't that, like, I'm a little more grown up at this point, you know, and I would be the only one left out of um, gatherings at my uplines apartment and they would flat out be on zoom on the weekly zoom meetings everybody there but me yeah and god and I just like I felt so it made me feel so horrible because another thing that I wanted was to make friends and I thought that I was friends with these people and then when they had specifically left me out twice I just I I lost it I mean I I got off that zoom call that night and I cried I mean it hurt you know that that is some mean girl shit right there it is and and also not very um girl boss of them because that is like the point is that you're supposed to make like I mean, obviously this is a manipulation tactic that we talk about all the time, but like, that's the thing is that they're supposed to include you. They're supposed to make you feel welcome and loved. And they didn't even do that. Like you had one job and it was to manipulate Jen and it didn't even happen. <laughs> I know, you just hurt me. You hurt my feelings. I was done. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I, I didn't like that. And just little things as I would be working my upline. So we would have to play music and I would start singing. I used to sing all the time. I used to be in choir all the time. I love singing. And so, and it was something to pass the time. Well, I would start singing the song and my upline would say, only I can, I can sing, uh, you know, that line. I'm like, okay. Or she would make um, TikToks or, stories or whatever and include everybody but me like while I was working (laughs) I was you know it was just those little like you said mean girl digs just one after another and another big thing was literally everybody had a key but me to the store Literally everybody really went uh, out of their way to make sure you did not feel welcome there, huh? Exactly. And I even asked her, I asked her, I said, 
what do I need to do to get a key? Cause I had been working there for a few months at that point. And that's when the person, um, my sideline that joined before me, like not long before me had gotten her key was after a few months of working there. And so I was like, well, maybe I just had to wait, you know, whatever. And so I specifically asked her and she said, well, it's a $25 deposit to get a key because, you know, she'd have to get one made. And I was like, okay, so on top of my end of day fees, I put $25 down for it. And she texted me and she was like, no offense, but I'm not just giving anybody a key. I'm not just, I think she said, I'm not just handing out keys to anybody. And I'm like, you literally are doing. So I would, when I was working with, a newer person, neither of us had a key. She'd go out of town. She'd leave a key and she'd say to leave it in the mailbox. She trusted a business mailbox more than she trusted me. What on earth? Oh my God. Unlocked mailbox. Yeah. So it was just, it was just so many, like so many mean girl stuff, the money. It just, it wasn't worth it at that point. And I also kind of had an escape plan with, (laughs) I say escape plan. I had an out with my virtual assistant business and I was waiting for my, my one client that I had at that time to kind of up my hours and she had finally upped my hours and I was like, I'm done. (laughs) I'm out. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I don't blame you. Like that's, First of all, no one deserves to like feel that alienated all of the time. Like, I'm not saying that everyone has to be friends with each other, but like that that's just mean, just mean, mean girl stuff. And that's gross. Well, and we had talked before we started recording. You, you thought that I was still a teacher. Well, I don't know what it is about me, but I attract the mean girls. My first year teaching was like that too, where I was yelled at in the hallway. I was called nasty that I was being a nasty person when I'd finally stand up for myself. I would sit down in our meetings and uh, one of the assistants in particular would, like I would sit down by her and she would literally get up, pick up her stuff and move somewhere else. Like, I don't know what it is. I thought for the longest time it was me. Like, what is wrong with me? But then I discovered it's not me. It's a reflection of how other people treat me. How they treat me is a reflection of them, not me. Right. Absolutely. Like, oh my God, that, that's just some, I'm so sorry that people. It's okay, but that. that's also why I got out of teaching. <laughs> so yeah. it's just been like, it was such a dumpster fire of a couple years there with COVID and everything. Cause this was all happening during COVID too. So I'm, I'm glad that I did it because of what I'm doing now, but uh, just don't, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't join an MLM. Also don't yes. be a mean girl. Um, right. <laughs> so did, uh, what was like, how did you get out? And like, how did they treat you when you left? So I actually, I was professional about it. And I gave them my two weeks notice, or I gave her my two weeks notice. Cause I was like, well, it's the least I can do to maybe not burn bridges. 
because mm-hmm. I did still like the product, you know. But after after the first, so the first week of my two weeks, my upline only scheduled me for two days. And I was like, what the hell? Like, seriously, I'm still trying to make money here. Like, I still need the money. And so she put me on for one extra day. So I worked three days. And then by the time the next schedule came out for my second week, she'd only put me on for two days. And the new people who were the boyfriend of one of the sidelines and the brother of the other sideline, um, they got five shifts and I got two. And I said, screw it. I'm taking the week off. Bye. (laughs) Like I was done. And she said, well, you had already, you know, committed to working these. And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't commit to anything. You're the one that made the schedule. So I'm taking the week off. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. It's not worth it to like no. have two shifts where you're going to question if you're going to make anything. You're probably going to have to pay more than you make. Exactly. That's what I said to myself too. I was like, I'm just going to end up paying more. Yeah. So after you left, were you, I'm assuming you were cut off by everyone. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, I still had slash maybe have, I don't know, after my YouTube videos, if I still have her as a friend, but I still had one decent friend from it, but yes, everybody cut me off. My upline actually had the audacity to say, well, you can still become a, I think it's called a preferred member. So that I could still buy products from her and she'd still make money off of me as a customer. And I was like, uh, no, no, I'm not giving you any more of my money. I'm not giving you any more. So I, I just completely, I think I had to email the company because they wouldn't even let you like cancel your membership or anything like that. Like I had to downgrade to a preferred member and then I had to email the company and cancel completely. Oh. That is so frustrating. And also, like, uh, my upline did the same thing to me when I tried to leave Arbonne. She's like, well, you could still be a preferred client. And I was like, no. And she's like, I'm just so confused. You loved the products. And I was like, not that much. (laughs) Right. I know. And part of the manipulation that she was so good at was clearly somebody was still watching me because when I made that TikTok announcing that I was going to make a video about her, which I did um, a YouTube video about her, she texted me when I hadn't heard from her in months. And she tried to get me on the phone to take control of the situation. And I was like, no, no, you do not have the upper hand anymore. No, absolutely not. So was there another MLM after Herbalife? Nope. That was it. Oh, good. (laughs) It's really done. That's awesome. So when did you officially leave? I think it was June of last year. Wow. So, um, and when did you start speaking out? I started, technically I started speaking out in, it was the end of last year, but I didn't actually post it until the beginning of this year. I wasn't ready. I made the videos, but I wasn't ready. Yeah. But now I am. It's hard. You do have to be ready. And like, um, I know I talk a lot on this podcast about like the importance of speaking out and standing up. And like, when you are right, 
to like do that. But like, also I do want to recognize that like, you need to be ready. You need to be ready to talk about it and you need to have processed your own stuff because it is, it can be really mentally taxing to speak out um, because there's just so much anxiety of like, what are people going to think and are people going to be mad at you? Um, yeah. And you don't know what kind of backlash or anything you're going to get and you got to be ready to, I hate to say get back, but you got to be ready to make your point. Like, right. Yeah. And I just, my, my mind was so jumbled and I wanted to just spew it out there. That's why my first couple of videos are just like, I'm so nervous. You can tell I'm so nervous. And that's why I, like, I just needed to get it out there. Yeah. And you know, it's important though, sometimes just having that like nervous first time of like getting everything out is so important and impactful. Yeah. And I've really, I've had to learn. I've, I've had to relearn how to love myself through the process and work on my mental health first and not worry so much about my physical health until I felt ready, which I've, yay me, I finally felt ready. I went to the gym at 6.30 this morning (laughs) with my personal trainer. So I'm finally ready for the actual physical health and I'm not worried about replacing my meals with crappy shakes. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm more concerned about being healthy all around. Right. Um, before uh, we got on to record, we talked a little bit about the actual shakes and teas themselves. And um, you said that there are live, liver warnings. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that's still true for a lot of the products, but I do know that Herbalife got into a big lawsuit about um, the liver problems that they, that their products had. And I don't know if that's still the fact, the truth, but there's a lot of stuff in the, the products that just aren't, aren't that good for you. Yeah. And you said that you, um, that there's a lot of caffeine in those teas. Yeah. So I think that in one scoop of tea, I think there's like 200 something milligrams. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not certain because I'm not a health professional or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's like a daily, daily intake of caffeine right there. So when you're getting like the larger teas, that's more than one scoop. And you're and if you're getting the energy bombs, you're putting what's called the lift off in it, which is just a bunch of B vitamins and caffeine basically. So it's, I can see how it would not be good for you. Yeah. I know that my migraines got a lot worse when I was drinking that stuff. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Um, have you heard, uh, I think it's a silver linings lessons. I have, they are amazing. Yeah. So anyone that is not following silver lining lessons, you need to go follow her on TikTok and Instagram because she makes all of the Herbalife tea dupes um, and teaches you how to make them at home for way less money. And she uses, for the most part, the same uh, ingredients that you use in the stores, right? Yeah. So in the stores, I I can go into this a little bit if you want. Yeah. Um, some of the things that are added into the shakes are sugar-free puddings and sugar-free syrups in powder form. 
um, toppings like nuts, um, mini marshmallows, chocolate chips, um, that kind of stuff. Those are generally the toppings that or are mixed in it. Um, the teas, if you're getting like one of those energy bombs, it's usually uh, sugar-free syrup. So you can get that at Walmart even, like Mio kind of thing. Yeah. Or Crystal Light or whatever. I mean, there's it's it's so easy. And there's so many other other protein powders out there where you don't have to buy two, you don't have to buy a Formula One and a protein powder right. where you can just get everything that you need in the protein. Right, powder. exactly. And just MLM prices on protein powders is ridiculous. How much was it for uh, protein at Herbalife? I think, oh, I don't remember how much it was for the protein and Formula One powders, but I know to get a shake there from the club, it was like $7 and something cents. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That is a lot of money. That is that. I mean, like the base, the base is only literally just water and ice. That's it. So uh, you can make it at home pretty easily. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before I ask you my final question? I don't know. I feel like I just spewed my guts to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, Herbalife was the biggest MLM in my life where I was actually very, very much manipulated. Um, but yeah, some of the other things that we had to do was we had to pay to go to in-person events. We had, in order to work in the nutrition club, we had to attend these events. So it was, so you had to pay for it. There was no, no way around it. If you wanted to work in the club, we were told that it was, um, it was a privilege to work in the, in the nutrition club. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> It's a privilege, a privilege to lose money for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, we had to attend the weekly Zoom meetings. They would take um, they would take attendance and you had to have your your screen on. And if you didn't show up, you couldn't work the next week in the nutrition club. Um, you also worked as if you were an hourly employee for the club in general, you had to clean the bathrooms, had to clean the dishes, had to clean the sinks, floors, basically all the, the regular stuff that you would do as an employee, except you wouldn't get paid for it. You had to, you had to pay to do it. Basically. I got to pay to mop the floors. Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that great? So awesome. Like, you don't have enough stuff to do in your life for free. All right. So um what is your anti-MLM why my anti-MLM why I don't know why that's such a tough question I want to help people I want to help people not get manipulated I want to help people learn how to do how to make money not being in an MLM 
you know, there's so much that you can do out there that's not MLM. MLMs seem easy, but you can literally own your own business doing other things. Like virtual assistance is when so many people need help online with that. All you need to know is a few social media things or email, whatever. I mean, you can, you can freelance, you can create stuff, you can do so much other stuff that you're actually passionate about and not get manipulated so bad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you taking personal assisting clients right now? I am. I am a virtual assistant and a course creation. Um, I do course creation for coaches and authors. Um, But yeah, I'm taking clients for both. So where can people find you for that? And also where can people find you to like watch your YouTube videos and your TikToks? So the best place to find me for my business would be on Facebook. That's where I mostly post about my business. Um, it's just Jen Knight. And for, so my TikTok is future Mrs. Johns and my YouTube is Jen Knight, Jen with two N's and then Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. Nice. So I will put all of that information in the show notes. That way people can find you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I was so excited to see you pop up on my TikTok feed and I was like oh I need to share your story (laughs) yeah and thank you so much for inviting me this is my first podcast so I hope I did well (laughs) you did you did I'm so glad that you came on and shared and we got to talk about Herbalife which I've been really wanting to talk about and just all the things so Thank you guys for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to um, take a screenshot and share it on your social media platforms. You can tag me in it. Um, And also don't forget to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify with five stars. Pretty please. (laughs) All right, everyone have a fantastic day. Bye. Bye.